Hello there. It's uh, Chappie, the British butler. And um, welcome along to Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, episode number 59. And you're sort of thinking, well, what's this? Chappie, wh- why are you playing the uh, the Deutsch, the German national anthem in the, in the background here? Well, I, I've got a fancy for some sausage today, for some sausages. So I'm, I'm thinking that I'm going to do a toad in the hole and I cannot get the traditional English sausages like a Lincolnshire sausage or um, a Cumberland in America. So I had to go brat first. So I'm going brat first, uh, sausage wise today. And um, I'm just wondering if, 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 if sausage can cure all ills. Like a string of hot, piping hot, uh, fat bursting out of them brat first, wrapped around the neck. Could that cure a cold? I mean, could this be... Could be could this be something we need to look at in a new vaccination? You know, do we need to do do we need to do some sort of tests on people with uh, a string of sausages, a string of bratwurst, or maybe a you know a string of Cumberland? Uh, you know, they're big sausage, wrapped around the neck. I, I mean, people wrap socks around their neck like a like a wet sock, and it cures all sorts of things. So why not a string of sausages? So I'm going to do Toad in the Hole. We're going to be looking at the origins of Toad in the Hole a little bit later. Um, and um, some of the other things that we uh, we may or may not be discussing today. Quite a lot left over from yesterday, to be honest. What happens when you call somebody on FaceTime and they're caught unawares? Uh, I will be revealing all. Well, hopefully they won't be revealing all, but maybe they will. Who knows? Uh, a little bit later. Um, also, my um, adolescent dog is in season. Um, there's no sort of daddy dog training for this. What should one do? I, she's going to get the operation, but I waited a little bit too gosh damn late. Um, so we're going to be looking at that. Do famous people reincarnate into inanimate objects? Well, possibly. I'll be enlightening you later. Men in tights? Well, I do have a severe dislike for men in tights, running tights anyway. I don't care what other tights or stockings or suspenders you wear, but running tights and shorts, uh, we'll be looking at that as well uh, later. Uh, Also, possibly um, the quickest time you've ever got ready for a Zoom meeting. Do you ever leave it a little bit too late now it's work from home? And also the mysterious burnt logs and the wood. What does it mean? Um, Also introducing you to uh, those sort of subversive types who only listen to songs that nobody else has ever heard of. There are there are people around there that uh, that do listen to songs that are a little bit subversive, a little bit out there, uh, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be looking at that later on. And some of the well, some of the song titles may or may not be. Um, have beds got creakier in lockdown? And also um, we have uh, and we introduce uh, Jack Valentine. Uh, he's a Nor- Norfolk tradition. He's a little bit like a uh, Santa Claus for Valentine's Day. And uh, we'll be, um, you know, sort of educating on, on Jack Valentine. Okay, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand for this. I, I haven't got the bratwurst or sausages around my neck. Don't worry. But that could cause all sorts of trouble, like bursting sausages all over the computer and the microphone. It could be all sorts of dirt and umsker everywhere. Um, but, uh, yes, uh, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, um, salute you. And um, so, sausages tonight... Uh, without a doubt. Also, we never talked about social pleasantries during COVID. 
yeah, I mean, who is exactly under that mask? You know, what's going on there? Um, have social pleasantries changed? Uh, now we've uh, now we've now we've sort of hit uh, COVID for about a year now. Uh, also, Canterbury Cathedral windows solved mystery of Beckett and the uh, castrated leper. Um, c- clever dogs can pick words up like a toddler. How to cook outdoors? It may be freezing, but it's perfect, perfect barbecue uh, weather. The royal documentary banned by the Queen in 1968 was actually leaked this last week for about 10 hours. Um, and we never got around to Subway tuna sandwiches with no tuna. Uh, the snowy owl seen in Central Park since the uh, first time since the 1800s. We never looked at that. We are going to have some uh, trumple trombone. We're going to have some uh, uh, medieval tinder. Uh, it's actually uh, failed generals, uh, our little medieval tinder sessions over the next uh, few weeks. Uh, failed generals and uh, should you be swiping left or right of them it seems like mostly uh, mostly left to be honest uh, and uh, your wine delivery is delayed Amazon has it all the cardboard boxes so your wine cannot be uh, delivered and I think actually buying drizzly or something the uh, booze um, uh, uh, the booze uh, delivery service now um, subliminal messages you know going for a little bit of pain yesterday but you know what my phone's listening to me so any ailment that i have even if i'm not saying it out loud my phone can read my mind more social dilemmas um coming this uh, coming this week as well and uh you know if you go to a restaurant and order some food the next day it pops up on your phone and uh, they're trying to sell you the same item how does it know it is seriously the twilight zone so archaeologists in Egypt undercover a 2,000-year-old mummy with a gold tongue. A 2,000-year-old gold-tongued mummy has been uncovered amid a dig in northern Egypt, according to reports. The mummy was among 16 burials uncovered in the poorly preserved rock-cut tombs in the temple at Teprosis Magna, west of Alexandria, and is an example of burial practices during the country's Greco-Roman period. The uh, ancient Egyptians have given the mummy a gold tongue, during a ritual to help him speak to Osiris, uh, the god of the underworld in the afterlife, Egypt's Ministry of Tourism and Antiquities said in a statement, the gold foil amulet is just one of several important finds in the dig. Uh, the team of Dominican and Egyptian archaeologists also found two mummies wrapped in a gilded uh, cartonage, uh, which is uh, plastered layers of papyrus or linen. Um, one of the two mummies had a crown decorated with horns and a cobra on its forehead. Its chest a gilded decoration in the shape of the necklace with the falcon's head. Lead archaeologist Kathleen Martinez uh, called the two mummies among the most important finds on the excavation. Uh, other significant finds has uh, recently included a funeral mask for a woman, eight golden flakes representing the leaves of the golden wreath, and eight masks of marble dating back to the Greek and Roman eras. The masks show high craftsmanship in sculpture and depiction, uh, but uh, the most impressive find was the mummy who did have the uh, the gold tongue which is uh, pretty fascinating. I've never even heard of that before. But I mean, it could be a sort of a bomb movie. You know, uh, it could keep gold tongue. It's a man, the man with a golden tongue. Or, or maybe Indiana Jones and, and the lost mummy with a gold tongue. Or possibly the golden tongue sort of pornography movie. I mean, um, but I mean, it could also be going back to the 1920s you know it could be a, a society compliment almost it could be oh you've got a lovely cold gold t- 
tongue. Oh, mummy. Oh, darling. You've got the golden tongue. And something along those lines as well. Um, but uh, there we go. Great artifacts uh, found in Egypt. No, mummy. Can we stop digging now? So we're all Zooming and FaceTime at the moment. I mean, everybody's sick of the sort of Zoom happy hours and the constant Zooming. I mean, it's very fun to keep in touch with your family on FaceTime, but we've now sort of moved it into the offices where everything's, everything's about Zoom and you always have 100 people on and people speak over each other and everything else. But have you, since the lockdown, just asking you, the listener out there, have you ever run into the situation where maybe somebody answered the FaceTime call at an inopportune moment. Um, well, the, this happened to me uh, yesterday. Um, having a few troubles calling my dearest mother, um, a few FaceTime problems, a few technical issues, that I will hold my hands up and say probably were my fault. Uh, I thought it was her, you know, being... Uh, you know, coming from a bygone era and, and probably more used to the rotary telephone than FaceTime. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I, I called uh, up and, uh, you know, it was ringing, ringing. I thought, well, it must be working now. And then all of a sudden, my uh, dad answered the phone and he was uh, naked. So, you know, chappy, as always, never really lost for words but but i mean what do you say i mean father why are you naked in the middle of the day um you know uh didn't recognize you without your clothes on um uh what's the tea today dad um yeah i mean it's uh i mean it could have been winkles or cockles i suppose but no luckily luckily the camera didn't pan down that far but I mean, it, it does raise a question of um, when you see your father in the nude, uh, or basically in the nude, um, and, uh, you know, what, what, what do you say? I mean, um, can you remember that game of golf we played uh, back in 1992, and you took out the big driver and... Um, uh, fondant fancies, anybody? Hmm... Um, how are the legumes in the garden? Are they are they growing well at the moment? Um, well, it's obviously not cucumber season, and I mean you get yourself into real pickle-lily, basically, and uh, it's not the sort of pickle-lily one would want to be in uh, at any situation. But uh, I, I, I sort of hung up and uh, composed myself and um, uh, washed my eyes out with bleach, basically. I hope you, the listener, never have to go through that. I mean, my dad's a fine-looking chap, but, uh, you know, I'll never, ever be able to quash that image from my mind, my eyes, anything else. You know, thinking about it now, I, I sort of need to have a cup of tea and a therapy session, I think. So uh, Biden and Boris had their first uh, little call um, probably about a week ago now. Um, Boris is known for his love of buses, even claiming to make models out of old wine crates to relax. Now in the interest of transatlantic diplomacy, at least he has professed a passion for another kind of public transport, trains. He and Joe Biden are said to be bonded over their mutual love of rolling stock in the first call between the two men 
since the new president took office. The Prime Minister is understood to have asked Biden about his Amtrak train journeys across the country and his daily commute from train from his home in Delaware to work in Washington. His commitment to the US rail network and his battle to win over more public funding for the sector earned him the nickname Amtrak Joe. He is said to have been disappointed that security concerns scuppered his plans to travel by train to his inauguration this week. Uh, Mr. Johnson uh, has less than an obvious connection with the rail network, opting to cycle when he was mayor of London rather than take the tube. I mean, Boris also likes being winched in the air and, and trying to do an Icarus and attempting to fly as well, I believe. Um, but uh, he was um, he was a guest of honour on, on the online National Rail Awards. We praise the industry's heroic efforts to keep the country moving during the lockdown. Uh, Downing Street sources said Mr. Johnson uh, was more of a much a fan of trains as he was of buses and confirmed that the two leaders have bonded over the need to promote electric train travel as a green alternative to uh, cars. Here, here on that, definitely I do love a train journey myself. Um, I just do hope that they started cleaning the toilets in some of the uh, British railway trains that I used to uh, ride on some absolute abominations over the years. But I mean, I mean, what else are they going to sort of bond over? I mean, I mean, Biden hasn't got any hair. Uh, Boris has got like a World's with Gummage scarecrow mop. They can't really talk about that. I don't think aviators would suit Boris. I mean, it's a little bit like me. I, I don't think aviators suit me with my head's too big. And I fancy that Boris uh, has the same issue, having you know much too big a head, too much hair. And the aviators would just get lost. You need a bigger sunglasser, I believe, uh, when you do have uh, a fairly sizable noggin. Um, but anyway, so bonding over trains. I mean, any improvement in the, in the railway service in the US would be uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, because at the moment, it's, uh, it's similar to taking like a, like a horse and cart. And, 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 and some of the designs of the railway cars are a little bit the same way, uh, without a doubt. But uh, but uh, it's good to know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll take a little bus ride or train ride when uh, when uh, Biden comes over in the summertime. You know, maybe the, maybe the Queen could allow uh, President Biden into a private carriage that she takes to Sandringham. The Queen has her own private carriage, and uh, that would be rather impressive for the uh, for the new president, definitely. So, I mean, we've we've all talked about the banana bread, the sourdough. I wonder if anybody's been doing any pickling though. Because I mean, I, I absolutely uh, I do love uh, I do love the pickling uh, aspect. Um, you know, it's it's sort of what people used to do back in the day. They used to jar and can things. A uh, very frugal sort of uh, pickling of uh, vegetables and uh, fruits as well. I mean, all throughout the year we make these pickles as a way of capturing the season's produce and preserving it for a later date. At the end of the summer, we can make pickles from our surplus farm vegetables, and through the winter, we can preserve the roots to get us through the hunger gap. And they're w absolutely wonderful with a, a huge chunk of a hunk of cheese and a charcuterie. Absolutely delicious. I mean, and all you need for the pickle brine: cider vinegar, sugar, Bailey's mustard seeds, star anise, peppercorns, and uh, fine salt. I find it very difficult to find star anise in the U.S. So I have to say, it's like trying to find a, a like a Cumberland sausage, as I said earlier. And then you can get uh, gherkins, carrots, radishes, uh, beetroots. You can get uh, onions in there. I mean, you can basically pickle anything. I mean, I don't know if I'd go down the road of pickling the pig's foot or anything like that, or pig's trotter. I, I don't think I'd uh, sort of go to those levels. But um, absolutely, uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, and, then, um, and then I saw something that, I mean, part of the podcast, the essence of the podcast is this sort of foraging for carbs, basically. 
and comfort food, whimsy, you know, all of the best. But onion and cider soup with cheese toast recipes. Uh, this is from uh, LeBron Johnson, um, is a chef that writes in the Times. The recipe is a classic and a uh, classic soup of uh, l'oignon, uh, but with a Somerset twist. West cider, uh, c- country cider, replaces white wine and use local cheddar instead of Gruyere. Um, you know, she prefers the Somerset version, and uh, it's important to use dry cider as opposed to the sweet one. Otherwise, the soup will be too overly sweet. I mean, all you need is uh, uh, butter, 100 grams of butter, six onions, a bay leaf, plain flour, dry cider, liter of chicken vegetable stock. This is in the London Times, by the way. A small baguette and uh, mature cheddar, and it, and it's like a it's like a, a very it's like almost like a cheese on toast or a cheese toasty uh, in in this beautiful cidery soup. Uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely delicious. And uh, and with the with the uh, beasts from the east coming back to the UK this weekend, I think it'll be rather fantastic. And we still got a lot of cold weather here in Colorado. It sort of uh, will uh, warm even the coldest of uh, uh, winters after a cold, long, uh, a long meander along the river or something along those lines. So on my merry jaunt on the dog walk in the morning, I saw yesterday um, up by the river some random burnt pieces of log there's no sort of um fire that had been constructed these are just random parts of trees that had started to combust uh, they were just there completely burnt to a tinder and the mysteries continue i mean it's almost as mysterious as the is the as the yak tracks in the snow possibly uh, saluting some sort of uh, alien landing or something but these are random pieces of um, burnt wood scattered along the trail, almost Hansel and Gretel-like. But I thought maybe somebody had camped out. But they were scattered along. There was no rhyme or reason for these burnt pieces of wood. And I thought, well, I'll do some research on this. I thought, oh, wow, I found something here. On uh, and, and this is what it read. It was on a, some sort of forum online. We discovered a forest completely on fire. No one had been there, and there was no lava or fire anywhere in sight, aside that we, uh, you know, we dismissed it. Next, we have an underground house, and then we have a tree farm, um, and with plenty of room for the trees to grow. After about six trees grow, they all spontaneously combust. What is going on? Trees randomly catching fire. And I thought, this is exactly what I'm trying to find. I need to delve deeper into this. And then I realized that some game had posted it and it was some dilemma they were having on Minecraft. So the mystery continues. I need to research deeper and further and ask a few questions of the local neighborhood and try to figure out the mystery of the burnt logs. So talking of fire, I think it's now time for another Butler Fireside ghost tale. And we're going to Oxford, or Oxfordshire in the UK. And we have Come the Place. Come the Place is haunted by the ghost of Amy Robsart, the wife of Robert Dudley, who had a passionate affair with Queen Elizabeth I. Amy died of mysterious circumstances that come the place in 1560. When Amy's ghost was seen on the stairs where her neck was broken in the fall, the public took this as a sign that her death was not an accident. The ghost had to be exorcised by nine clergymen from Oxford 
who drowned in a pond in the adjoining close, and the water never again froze over the spot. Is fake gin the next big thing? By Juniper, let's give it a shot. Uh, so this was uh, by Marina O'Loughlin in the Times. Uh, no mother uh, will be ruined trying the glut of low or no alcohol versions in the market, but their taste buds will suffer. Uh, last week, the Gin Girls strapline celebrating excellence in gin distillation and promotion of gin worldwide lashed out at the new breed of low and zero alcohol gin, gins. For the non-for-profit industry body accused the uh, parvenus of uh, freeloading and piggybacking on the spirit's established reputation. Um, she confesses this storm in a goblet passed me by. I've never drunk a mocktail or low alcohol, alcohol wine, beer or spirit. But in today's uh, uh, drinks arena, this marks me out as a dinosaur uh, of no or no low alcohol, no low sector is burgeoning at a remarkable rate, especially amongst the young who want alcohol drink experiences without the hangovers. Oh, they're so very sensible, aren't they? Founded in 2014, uh, Sidlip uh, from the drinks giant Diageo, uh, spearheaded the first wave of Nolo. The company's first drop of a thousand bottles into Selfridges sold out in three weeks. Its success enraging the uh, traditional drinks brands. Now everybody's getting in on the act from distilling behemoths to tiny boutique brands. Even the makers of Iron Brew, uh, which was uh, initially a trend regarded with skepticism, have become more mainstream. Where the old warhorses such as Gordon's and Beefers get in the act, there's no stopping the juggernaut. But what are these gins? They're not actually gin, not according to the Gin Guild, which declares them guilty of deliberate misrepresentation. Um, to get round this, most of the Nolo gins ape the look and taste of the spirit. Juniper abounds while labelling themselves botanical spirit or low alcohol spirit or alcohol three spirit. But the definition of spirit is a strong alcoholic drink so are these spirits indeed at all and they're also incredibly expensive apparently but you know you you know for the happy hour like come six o'clock you don't want a no low double gin and tonic i mean that's really not going to uh you know take away the uh, wariness of the day is it so champy's mind as always is wandering and it wandered towards reincarnation this morning um so a lot of celebrities uh, are perceived to have slept past lives. Uh, Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake were singers and entertainers in the 40s and 50s. They worked hard and were very talented. Uh, Madonna actually was Eva Perone, the woman she portrayed in Evita, uh, reincarnated from Eva Perone. Um, Madonna was likely the opposite of her current persona in the position of religious power, and she condemned those who express their sexuality. Leonardo DiCaprio was a noble who was unjustly imprisoned to solitary confinement. Mick Jagger uh, had many incarnations, apparently, as a laboring musician who always worked hard, developing his iron will and thirst for success, uh, which finally earned him the good karma to, to involving his success in this lifetime. Uh, Brad Pitt was apparently a Wild West gunslinger and bank robber. Robert Downey Jr., 1920s silent film star. Uh, early death to in, overindulgence, and Drew Matt Barrymore was a star in silent films, so I think that's highly unlikely with Drew. Drew does like a chat. Uh, Shirley MacLaine worked against the belief of reincarnation in her past life as Emperor Theodora, uh, someone a lot like her. And Tina Turner had many influences where she developed a personal power to a tremendous degree, almost like a sorceress wield, wielding musical magic. Um, and Donald Trump and President Clinton uh, were apparently a French royalty during the Renaissance. Um, sadly, no guillotine for Mr. Trump. 
Um, but I mean, in this sense, um, I wonder, um, yeah, I mean, I wonder if celebrities do ever, uh, you know, delve or derive or evolve into some sort of inanimate objects. I mean, can famous people be reincarnated as inanimate objects? So this morning, you know, as always, then my eyes and ears open and the mind fertile as ever stumbles across various things. So as the dogs were sort of doing their business up against uh, a lighting pole this morning, I noticed that the lighting pole was uh, named Shakespeare. It made me think that the, the bard had reincarnated or, or, or became a baby blue lighting pole. I mean, how the mighty has indeed fallen. Uh, and it made me think that, uh, you know, a, a great writer and playwright is suddenly now uh, stuck in the ground in Colorado and is a baby blue lighting pole. Uh, maybe instead of naming the pole Shakespeare, it should have been called Falstaff. So thinking back to me making Toad in the Hole this evening, pure comfort food without a doubt. But how did Toad in the Hole get its name? Britain is known for its oddly named delicacies, bubble and squeak to spotted dick, but Toad in the Hole really does take the biscuit for bizarrely named foods. Dating back to the 18th century, it's widely assumed that the Toad in the Hole was created as a way to stretch out meat in poor households. Meat was expensive and families were large, so, they, so what little could be scrapped together had to be bulked out with cheaper ingredients. The Yorkshire pudding had been invented earlier the century and batter-based dishes were popular by filling the family at a low cost. By combining meat, rump steak, pigeon and kidneys are also suggested prior to the use of sausage. With the filling, batter and tasty gravy, you could cook a tasty and affordable meal. The first reference to the dish by name is in a book of provincial glossary uh, published in 1887. Although it's also referred as boiled meat in a crust in the book, perhaps the most important mention is in Mrs. Beaton's iconic book of household management. Several recipes suggest that meats which could be used to make toad and hole, including beef, kidneys and mutton, although the dishes are mentioned in various other cookery books in the same era. In a publication called Notes and Queries, it refers to the batter pudding with the hole in the middle containing the meat. Far from popular belief, there is no record of the dish ever being baked with toads substituting as meat. The reference to toads is believed to be referring a similarity in appearance to toads laying in wait of prey in their burrows. Their heads visible against the earth, it is certainly a peculiar name for the dish, not least because the toads were considered unsavory creatures and not at all something that would uh, whet the appetite. Um, but there, there is a tale which may explain the origin of the name, uh, which has nothing to tell. It could be a local legend. Some say Toad in the Hole originates from the town of Almuth in Northumberland, where the local golf course is overrun with natterjack toads. During a golf tournament, a golfer putted his way only for it to leap back uh, before an angry toad raised its head, peering out of the hole that it had been sleeping in. The chef at the hotel the golfers are staying at devised a dish to resemble this humorous moment. Baking sausages and batter appear like the toads poking their heads out of the golf holes. Thus, Toad in the Hole was born. I mean, I've been thinking, you know, with Super Bowl this weekend, and I know really nothing about American football, I have to say. I mean, uh, the shirts are probably too baggy, prefer something tighter, prefer a little bit of starch. 
Um, you know, why do they wear those tight lycra sort of things? I suppose it's trying to be uh, aerodynamic or something along those lines. But, you know, it's, it's hardly cricket white, so God's sake. Um, but, I mean, I would love to serve some of these, like turn up to a Super Bowl party and, um, and, 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 and supply uh, possibly uh, some traditional English foods. Love a toad in the hole. Can you imagine, you know, instead of coming out with wings, uh, a keg of beer, um, you know, tortilla chips and dip, um, brisket or whatever else. I mean, you know, you, could, you can turn up at the tailgate with toad in the hole and a, and a pudding full of spotted dick. I mean, what sort of looks would you get uh, at, the, uh, at the tailgate party for the Super Bowl if you turned up with that? Maybe a little bit of bubble and squeak as well. You know, and show them, you know, show them an impressive Cumberland sausage. Forget the hot dogs. Forget the wieners, baby. Show them the Cumberland. You know, Cumberland sausage with some spotted dick and uh, a little bit of toad in the hole. Uh, washed down with uh, a Christian and tonic. Now that's the way. That's the way to party, folks. I mean, also, on, on my merry jaunt this morning, um, I saw a gentleman... Who is wearing tights? He was running. They were either running tights, um, but I mean, I don't have any trouble with men wearing tights, stockings, suspenders. Any animal, vegetable, mineral wearing tights, stockings, and suspenders. Man, woman, whoever. I don't mind. I mean, that's up to you. And uh, and if you've got a good leg for a stocking, why not uh, celebrate it? But um, but you know, why do you wear running tights under dad shorts? Um, I mean, these are baggy dad shorts uh, with tights. I mean, it gives them a sort of sort of aerobic, sort of widow twanky look, you know, or an ugly sister look, I suppose. I think men who, who like to wear these running tights should should be better suited if they if instead they get rid of the shorts and start wearing cat suits. So men running should wear lycra cat suits. I mean, it wouldn't leave anything to the imagination. Um, but Ala Olivia Newton-John, let's get physical. Let's get out there. Let's get physical in our cat suits instead of uh, tights and uh, running running tights or running stockings or whatever they're called and dad shorts. Get out the cat suit and then run your marathon in the cat suit. Okay, it's time for more trample trombone. We're taking some of the, you know, these are awful headlines, awful stories in the week, um, normally with a little comedic twist. And are they uh, a rasping Trump or a wah-wah trombone? Um, you can buy a McDonald's dip holder for your car. It's a need, not a want. Um, so Safi Waring took to TikTok to share how she eats McDonald's in a car. Eating McDonald's in your car can be trick, tricky task. Balancing your chips in one hand, your nuggets in your lap, and the dip on the dashboard just isn't ideal. Now McDonald's fans are rejoicing because they discovered you can buy a, a, a specially designed sauce holder for your car with enough space to hold two dips. So, I mean, there could be an issue here if it's a right-hand or left-hand drive car, like a British or a, a US car. Um, and also, if you're right or left-handed, I would think. I mean, it, this is a really essential point when it comes to double dipping. And a woman apologizes to a fuming dog after a haircut makes it look like an alpaca. 
Uh, Eris Baker was left in stitches after picking up a dog from Roxy the Groomers, but the poor pooch wasn't impressed by uh, the new haircut. From the waggy tails to the adorable penchant for getting in trouble, there's a lot to love about dogs. Uh, but owner Eris was left roaring with laughter as a Roxy, a golden doodle, uh, was picked up from the groomers and the poor pooch ended up looking like an alpaca rather than a noble dog. It was a rather awkward haircut and uh, the dog was left completely shaved with a, with a perm on top, basically. Um, I mean, the, the dog looks like a lady, sort of the, every lady haircut who's over 70 with a perm hairdo. All they need is a little bit of a blue rinse and maybe uh, come along with a, a bag of uh, Werther's Originals uh, to, uh, to suck on afterwards. <coughs> and the takeaway driver uh, left in stitches by customers warning on the liver- delivery instru- instructions. Food uh, delivery app Hartlepool Eats shared a photo of the delivery instructions uh, by a customer left on the order for pizza and chips uh, containing a brilliant warning. Just a heads up, Paul. My dog's uh, effing wrath and barks it now. I mean, maybe uh, they could use some sort of C-grade pizza as an aggressive dog deterrent, you know, when they're delivering the pizza. But hopefully the dog's bark is worse than its pizza bites. And uh, man shares hidden oven features so you can take the door off to clean it properly. Uh, so cleaning your oven is often a chore no one wants to tackle, especially it's near impossible to get all of the hard-to-reach places. But now a man has shared a hidden feature that will let you take the door off. Dougie uh, revealed how easy it is to remove the glass with a simple hack on TikTok. He uh, took the pro- uh, popular trend on the app. You randomly saw this one day, and now it's a standard practice in life. Uh, his oven latch, uh, he pressed in, and uh, it was allowed to remove the door after he pressed the latch in. He lifts up the piece of metal on both hinges, and it allows him to disconnect the entire door in seconds. Um, I mean, the, the, the steps involved must be uh, minimal for a man to be able to do it, I guess. Uh, maybe there should be a new subcategory on uh, the TikTok platform, uh, which is labelled uh, mansplaining. And woman shares controversial way to cook pasta and Italians are lost for words. Uh, Jasmine explained how she makes spaghetti bolognese in a TikTok video, uh, which uh, basically had been viewed over two million times. Um, she uh, she starts she begins by pouring a jar of tomato sauce into the saucepan uh, before adding water from the kettle and then the spaghetti goes into the tomato sauce uh, and she adds meatballs and voila so everything's added to the tomato sauce and you get a ni- nice sort of starchy or pretty awful starchy sauce with the uh, spaghetti probably uh, overcooked and almost like mush. Uh, I think after the Italians saw this, maybe they would call the dish uh, Favancula fettuccine. And finally, the crashing waves show the face of ancient sea god uh, Poseidon in an amazing photo, which is absolutely fantastic. It's waves crashing. You can see uh, for, for the uh, photographer has captured the moment a wave crashed into the wall, forming the face shape reminiscent of Poseidon. The outline of the face with the crown can be seen in the crest of a 30-foot wave uh, whipped up by Storm Justine uh, off the coast of Brittany. The, uh, the picture was actually uh, photographed. Uh, but maybe Poseidon is showing off his nautical and nauseating anger at all these awful sea shanties that are going around that are being performed currently by a bunch of old landlubbers. Okay, so COVID has brought many strange situations. And, you know, I, I mean, during normal times, you uh, leave your house, 
go to work, whatever, and you see your neighbour, you put your hand up, um, you know, in that sort of social sort of pleasantries and niceties. You don't maybe not know the neighbour, but you're putting your hand up. Or if somebody drives past and put their hand up, you're putting their hand up and saying hello too. But, I mean, I find walking the dogs, you know, people are sort of masked up like Zorro at the moment. And I don't know who they are. I don't know if I know them or if I don't know them. And, you know, I have my headphones in and, uh, and, 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 you know, you're walking along and they put their hand up to say hello or hi or something along those lines. Now, I don't know who the, who, who the you know, who the dickens they are. Um, I mean, could they be somebody I know? I mean, or is everybody, you know, in this in this new sort of spirit of togetherness, um, is everybody now doing these social niceties, putting their hand up? Now, if I knew the person, you know, if under the mask I knew the person, I'd gladly exchange some pleasantries, stop and have a chit chat. But I don't know who the bugger it is. I can't tell. They're all masked up, hats up, especially in the winter. You know, because they're cold as well, and they're completely almost the balaclava. I don't know who it is. I mean, are, are people trying to? Um, are they? Are these? Is this an extension of social niceties now, or are people trying to encroach in and try to get you know garner some sort of uh, bizarre dog walking friendship with you? I mean, th- this is this is this is very difficult because you know people can recognise me, tweed hat, and then I have the gaiter right up over my ears and uh, sunglasses on i mean it looks like i'm in disguise uh, as a mystery man or something but i mean who i don't know who these other people are i don't know is it some sort of interloper trying to curry favor with me or is it somebody i know mysteries of the universe so maggie the corgi is about six or seven months old now and um you know i i dropped the daddy ball basically the you know as a bad doggy dad and uh, I had her booked in um, to uh, have her little operation. And, um, yeah, I, I did it too late. She started her period, basically. She's, uh, you know, she's uh, in season, I guess you would call it. So, you know, I uh, I definitely have been a bad dog dad. I mean, what do you do in these sort of situations? I mean, there's no sort of like adolescent teenage corgi period kit or something. You can't, you know, can you go and get doggy diapers or doggy pads or something? I mean, is there something along those lines? I mean, I'm just worried about the sort of moody corgi who wants to stay in a room listening to Who Let the Dogs Out or something. And then uh, and then uh, the boy's sniffing around her territory, if you know what I'm saying. Um, but the, the thing is, though, something I did notice the other day is all of a sudden all the dogs in the neighborhood are, uh, are, are suddenly very very interested in her and um uh, and and i've found that this is great exercise now um because uh, all the male stud dogs in the neighborhood uh, want a piece of maggie and um I- i'm sort of seen scarpering running around the neighborhood here uh, with a pack of dogs chasing me uh with a uh, you know the, 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 she's being flirtatious she's she's being a little bit uh, coy a little coquettish um, and uh, there's me, um, you know, basically uh, doing a, uh, a Mo Farrow uh, sprint uh, to the finish line to get back into the house, barricade the doors to stop all these uh, these dusty, uh, naughty little hounds trying to uh, trying to go on a date with her or something along those lines. Um, but you know, I think it could be tremendous exercise. You know, you have a dog in season, you have a pack of male dogs, 
and they all have to run after you. It's a sort of new sort of uh, type of hunt, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, God forbid they ever catch up with you. And that would be absolutely uh, awful indeed. So anyway, Daddy dropped the ball on this one, um, but uh, she's uh, booked in for her operation. And in the meantime, I'm going to uh, have to keep her around, but she's sort of basically catnip for male dogs at the moment. So um, I don't know if you've ever met anybody um, who are basically too cool for school to listen to, uh, you know, mainstream music. I mean, never is there a Katy Perry, uh, never is there a Britney Spears, never, not even any Ed Sheeran going on here, or, um, you know, God forbid any Taylor Swift, um, or Harry Styles, or something along those lines. Um, But, you, you know, you've got a situation where is almost a condition where the music that they're listening to has never been heard of by any other soul on planet Earth. And uh, it's it's a sort of condition, and it's almost like an obscure FM condition. That's the radio station they would listen to. It would be an obscure, it would be called an obscure FM. And it would be well off the dial, 106.8 probably. You wouldn't be able to find it unless you uh, had the cool shades on or something along the lines here. Um, but I mean, basically it's like, you know, you get in food and restaurants, it's farm to table. It's basically uh, garage to earbuds. That's what these, these types are listening to. Lovely, lovely, uh, lovely um, music, but very, very obscure. And uh, so, I mean, you know, basically what you do to, um, to, uh, to create the name of the, of the band here, you just take an extra cool too, cool, too cool for school name and some sort of uh, condition. Uh, so, um, you know, these are some of the bands that I, they're probably out there at the moment that, you know, you know listing in the, in the garage here. You've got uh, Drew, Drew Dude and the Hemorrhoids. That would be one. Uh, Roger Rascal and the Rheumatoids. They're probably maybe Drew Dude broke up and then formed Roger Rascal and the Rheumatoids. And then, uh, and then probably my uh, my favourite here, and I would go out and buy this record uh, the, by these guys, uh, Snoz Cumber and the Wheelbarrows. Thank you very much for putting up with me these last two days on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, episode 58 and 59. 58's out there published. 59 will be published very soon. At Keep Cheese on Twitter, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese on Instagram. And uh, across all the platforms from Apple uh, Music to Spotify, TuneIn, Pandora, iHeartRadio, all of them, all of the above. Love your comments. Uh, like and subscribe uh, as much as you can. That would be lovely. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, we're going to finish with a, a February poem, uh, a little short one to end with here. Uh, it's afternoon in February, uh, Wadsworth Longfellow. The day is ending, the night is descending, the marsh is frozen, the river dead through clouds like ashes, the red sun flashes on village windows that glimmer red. Cheerio for now, have a lovely week, and I'll see you again, same place, same time, or similar time, next week. Toodaloo!